Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you were blessed by today's sermon. What I'm going to talk to you about is very important for this parish, for your own welfare, and for the life of this parish and our mission and our vision going forward. Let's start, though, with the gospel, because here is John the Baptist. It's such a poignant and striking passage. Here is John the Baptist who has given his life to be the last and best of the Old Testament prophets. And he's beginning, I think, to get the idea that maybe Jesus' revolution is different than they all thought. And that maybe he's not going to be broken out of prison. (laughs) And that his shelf life might not last as long as he was expecting it to. So, he sends a question to Jesus through intermediaries. Are you the one? I feel like he's saying, did I get it right? It just touches my heart when when I hear this. And Jesus is so kind the way he answers. He says, in essence, look around at what is happening. The prophecies are being fulfilled. I'm not the Messiah many thought would come. Not the one on the war horse. Not the general to liberate from the Romans. I'm not that Messiah. But I am the one the Father sent. Blessed are those who can receive me for who I am. Does that make sense? Yeah. Such a touching, touching conversation between the two. Then to the people, Jesus goes on to make a declaration that should make you and me stand up and take notice. He's saying basically, John the Baptist is great. He's the best of the old covenant produced. But you're part of the new covenant the kingdom of heaven. And you are greater than John the Baptist could ever be. John the Baptist proclaimed the coming of the new. But you and I are a part of the new. And we are a new person. And this new person is so different from the old that came before. You have it within you to be vastly different. Paul talks about putting off the old man and putting on the new man. It's not just a metaphor. (laughs) It's really true that there is a new man, a new woman waiting to be born in you, to come forth in you. Now, most of us live our lives without a glimmer of that difference. It's kind of like we are heirs to a kingdom and nobody bothered to tell us. So we still put our money under the the mattress and, and squirrel away the egg money we find. When we actually are heirs 
of an eternal wealth. And that's who we are and it's who we're called to be because God has replaced our heart of stone with a heart of flesh and he has written his laws upon it. And he has sent the Holy Spirit to live in us. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon people. He would come upon someone to, and the Holy Spirit would use them for God's purposes. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. It makes all the difference in the world and how we can be transformed. We can become a new creation when we let God work in us, okay? And that is what we are about here at Christ Church. We are not here just to live the same life with Jesus as our hobby, okay? We're to live a completely transformed life with Jesus as our Lord and the Holy Spirit as our guide. These aren't cliches. This is the truth. Jesus, the Lord of my life, every day. The Holy Spirit guiding and leading me every day. So let's just for a few minutes talk about, define that sense of who we are and who we are to be and what our church's mission is and what our vision is. Our mission, and we'll talk about this more later. So if you don't remember it today, don't worry. You'll get another chance. But our mission is to make obedient, kingdom-focused disciples of Jesus Christ who worship passionately, love extravagantly, and witness boldly. Let me say that again for you. Our, our mission is to make obedient, kingdom-focused disciples of Jesus Christ who worship passionately, love extravagantly, and witness boldly. And to do this, you and I must become obedient, kingdom-focused disciples of Jesus Christ who worship passionately, love extravagantly, and witness boldly. We all must become that very thing that we want to help other people become. So let's unpack this for just a second. What's an obedient disciple? Well, Jesus tells us, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. An obedient disciple is one who loves Jesus and does what Jesus commanded us to do. Now, here's the deal. To obey the commandments of Jesus, I have to know the commandments of Jesus. And how do I do that? I have to know God's Word. I have to make the Bible a part of my life. That's why we offer so many Bible studies here throughout the week. Uh, Rip really takes the lead on that and the, leading the charge. And there's going to be a new one we're offering in January. It's going to be a one-year chronological study Bible. And I've been using it. I'm really excited about it because it takes the whole Bible, breaks it up into a year. There's an introduction. Then there are about three pages of Bible to read. And then some questions to reflect on at the end. And then once a week, we'll get together and we will look at the kingdom context for what we were reading that week. We won't go through everything we've read, 
but we'll look at it in terms of the kingdom. And we'll do that on Wednesday night, but Rip, you've said anytime. Uh, just talk to him. Tell him when you want to do it. And uh, we'll get a group together who can do it with you. We want to do everything we can to help you know God's Word. This is important if you're going to be led by the Spirit. Because you've got to test the Spirit. And what do you test it against? God's Word. I know I've told some of you this story before, but I, I had a person who came to me for counseling who was upset because uh, the Holy Spirit had led her to have an affair with a married man. And, uh, and she could not figure out why the man went back to his wife after God had told her to do this. And I was like, well, honey, there are a lot of spirits in the world, but there's only one Holy Spirit. And you got to test the Spirit against God's Word. <laughs> and nowhere in God's Word does it encourage you to do that. So you can be pretty clear, this isn't the Holy Spirit leading you. Uh, we have to know God's Word to test the Spirit. We live in God's Word, and we live with the Spirit. And when we know, then we can obey. And when we obey, Jesus and the Father promise to come and be with us and make themselves known to us. Then the second thing to do is to be kingdom-focused. This is important. Where do you live? What are your values? What are your priorities? You know, I love being a Texan. I, I love it too much. And uh, I remember telling Colleen when we got married, we can live anywhere you want to, but I want the, our children born in Texas because that's a gift that no one can take away from them. That's how much it means to me. And uh, yet, that's nothing compared to my citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. That's what counts. That's what matters. And those are different values. And they have different priorities than any of the kingdoms of this world, even my beloved Texas. So you got to choose, as Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and then everything else will fall into place. Well, yes, it will. But we got to choose to seek first the kingdom of God. And as uh, I read one uh, theologians say if we, it really doesn't matter what we choose. Uh, if we don't choose the kingdom first, uh, we're going to wind up in the wrong spot anyway. So that's very important to choose the kingdom first. And now, how do we make it a part of our lives? This is where prayer becomes so essential because prayer is what transforms us. I know we think of prayer as being what I do to get what I want. You know, God, give me this, give me this, fix this, do something about that, uh, world peace. Um, but the most important thing in prayer is for God to change me. And that's where, as I choose to seek the kingdom first, he can change me to become a citizen of the kingdom with kingdom values and priorities. Do you make kingdom decisions during the week? You know, you come to church and we're making kingdom decisions here for the next hour. And maybe the vestry, when we get together, we try really hard and we do pray about it to make kingdom decisions. 
But what about Wednesday morning when you have a business decision to make? Are you going to base that on the kingdom? God wants us to. And I've known people who scoffed at me when I said that. But it's true. That's the kind of 100% life we are to live. And that is why it's so important that we keep ordering and offering a study called The Secret Place, Secrets of the Secret Place, because it is such a powerful book to get us into that prayerful relationship with God that goes beyond intercession and goes into transformation. And so the next thing is to worship passionately. Now, what do you bring to worship? What do you bring to the altar? Are, are you coming here just to take? What you bring is going to determine what you get back. If you bring just a little coal that's barely uh, still glowing, you're going to get a little more coal to get through the next week. But if you come here on fire, then and everybody else comes here on fire, then we're going to have a bonfire on Sunday morning. And that fire is going to grow and build. And we'll be sent back out into the world, not weak, but strong. Not hoping to get through the next week, but changing the next week through the power of God. So bring all you have to the altar. And during the week, give all you have. And you'll have more to bring on Sunday mornings. And you make that a way of life. Giving glory to God in everything you do. Worship is a lifestyle. It's not just an hour a week. This is when we all get together to worship God together. But we also have the rest of the week when we worship God in our own ways, uniquely. So we do that. We worship passionately. That doesn't mean uh, we have to be a uh, hard rock church. There can be passionate, quiet, intense stillness. Sometimes in the Bible, we read about situations where the presence of God was so powerful and so strong, people could do nothing but fall on their faces in just silence. So when we say worship passionately, we don't mean Worship rowdy, <laughs> rattly. We don't want to confuse that with our own rowdy. But uh, what we mean is to a heart on fire for God. And then love extravagantly. Now here's the deal. We're already told, love God with all that I am. Love my neighbor as myself. Living a life of sacrifice is what we're talking about here. We care about others. We think about the welfare of others, even more than we think about our own welfare. You don't measure love. I don't go, well, I'm going to give you two tablespoons of love, but I've only got this much in my bottle, and so I've got to save some love for anybody else I see today. Too many of us do that, but if you're loving with the love of Christ, it overflows. There's no end to that love. 
And as a matter of fact, the more you give, the more you share of Christ's love, the larger your heart will grow to receive more in order to give more. It's not about a lack. It's about an abundance. And we are to participate in that abundance of God's love. Don't measure out your love. Give it extravagantly. And then witness boldly. Know and share my story and know and share God's story. That's why we brought Jerry and Stacy in last winter to help train everyone how to do that. And we'll keep doing that uh, through times where we can offer people the opportunity again to brush up their story, to brush up how they share God's story. Because that's what matters. It's bringing people into that relationship with God. Listen to this passage, though, because it talks about what we talk about is witnessing boldly. And that's one of the hardest things we have to do is to not be timid. Timidity is what gets in the way of so much that we can do, given the opportunity. This is where Peter and John were in prison and then were freed. And they come back to the house and, boy, everybody's mad at these young Christians and want to just get rid of them. But... As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said, which was, cut it out. (laughs) And when these believers heard the report, they lifted their voices together in prayer to God. O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. I was persecuted for preaching the word of God, so what do I do? I don't ask God to protect me. I ask God to give me more boldness to go back out to preach the word of God. May God abolish our timidity. We're going to be offering a class uh, coming up in the late winter, early spring called Seven Steps to Freedom in Christ. And this is an opportunity to eliminate from your life those things that make you afraid and timid and make you doubt your place with Jesus. We want everyone free to offer that freedom to others. And so that's our future. That's our mission. That's also our vision. And this is something that I've talked to you about before with the bishop and I have discussed and he's asked us to do. And that is to plant disciple-making groups, congregations, between here and Fort Worth, all along the I-20 corridor. We'll let God sort out the details on how that happens. But the idea is to grow communities that make disciples. And we're going to begin here by making sure we are the kind of people we're trying to make, which are disciples who are kingdom-focused, who are obedient, who worship passionately, love extravagantly, and witness boldly. And this clergy and staff, we're going to do all we can to help everyone be equipped 
to do this, to become these things, because that's our biblical responsibility, is to equip the saints for, work, for works that God has prepared beforehand. So be looking for these new offerings to equip you for a glorious covenant life, this life with the new covenant. Let's stop living in the old covenant, and let's start beginning to live in the fullness of the new covenant. John talked about the new covenant, but you and I are called to live in the new covenant. And let's not take that in vain. Let's receive that for all the blessing and glory it is offering. And let's not waste another day settling for less than becoming the people he redeemed us to be. Who is that? Obedient disciple makers who raise up obedient disciple makers and who bring glory to God in the process. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.